Hello, horror fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast. Oh! oh the the horror. horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe to add us to your re- regular rotation of podcasts. Nice. Those words were Hard. We got a lot more to go, sister. We do. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And you can check out our website at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. How you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah. We had a fantastic turnout for... Stellar. Stellar turnout. For trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. We Ran got- out of candy for the first time... In like an hour, Ever. hour and a half. Yeah. And we could have we could have had double the candy. Yeah. Two hundred and thirty pieces. Awesome. Like that. Yep. I didn't even get to put on my costume. No, I, you didn't. I didn't have enough time to switch from work to when no. the kids were out. No, you didn't. And um, I was hoping hoping I could slip into it. I know. I wanted I know, to be babe. an eight foot tall vampire. I know. Walk in the streets. Well, my brother didn't get to dress up like the ghost either. He was all proud of himself. That's a sheet. Yeah, that's it just, was. That's just lazy. <laughs> I'm just going to say it for what it is. He was very upset that Reese's did not make the cut in our top three candies. I don't know why he's not upset about it, because then if he wants some, yeah. that's for him. But we ran out. We did. Out. Out, out. No candy left over. None. And we could have went for another. Which is a first. We could have went for another half hour, 40 minutes solid. Yes. Yes. Yeah. With a, and we literally ran out in like a pack of about 50 people. A herd. <laughs> a herd was coming. It was genuinely a herd. Yeah. Which yeah. is a perfect subway for our topic today. It is. Zombies. Zombies. Yes. Zombie herds. Yeah. Yep. Zombie uh, hordes. With my allergies going full flare, we're going to get through zombies today. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. I have three sources, Uh, maybe four. The Mythical Creatures Bible by Brenda Rosen. The Supernatural Book of Monsters, Spirits, Demons, and Ghouls by Mm -hmm. Alex Irvine. And the Illustrated Signs and Symbols source book and A to Z Compendium of Over a Thousand Designs by Adele Nozdar, and hold please because um, I had medicalnewstoday.com articles. Mm. Yeah. Human zombies, question mark? Yeah. Well, it is a, uh, it is a topic of discussion. I mean, it is. It's it, weird. It really, truly is. So we, uh, we figured out what we're going to do with zombies, since I had a technical failure with my notes, I'm going technical foul. I'm going off the hip, but oh zombies boy. zombies is pretty good for me to go off the hip with. It if is. I were to pick something, it is. If I were to pick one to do off the hip, this would be the one. Right. I'm, I'm a little. It's like my Robert the doll. Yeah, I'm a little deep in the bench on this mm-hmm. one. So yeah, this really goes a whole facet of areas. Historically, it does. It does. Uh, the stories, because it, it's yeah. not what it is currently today in modern times. You uh, could no, I, say. I get into. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying I, an overall landscape. It, yeah. Like and, this is something that's changed 
a lot. To be honest, when I was getting into like the nuts and bolts, mm. a lot of the things that we commonly associate with zombies was not part of their no. original no, that story wasn't until or lore. More yeah. recently. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, we got that going. For well, us. you want to kick this off? All right. So I broke mine out from the three books. So the first book I started with was from Supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. And according to Supernatural, getting yeah. bit by a zombie does not turn you into one, though it might make you dead. Most zombies don't bite, but some of the other, and they refer to zombies as a classification of revenants. So the word itself comes from zombie, N-Z-A-M-B-I, used in the Bantu languages to talk about spirits of dead people or ancestors. In some West African religions, zombie is also the name of the creator god the kind who presided over creation, then stepped back to watch things unfold. Mm. On the way to the West Indies, the word came to be used for the prototypical Haitian zombie, famous from voodoo lore. And in voodoo, a zombie is created with a combination of sorcery and nerve poison extracted from the pufferfish. Yeah. The bokor concocts the potion and just sits back and waits once it's administered. The victim suffers from increased lethargy and finally lapses into a state of virtual death. Mm -hmm. The victim is buried and the bokor can exhume them and put them to work. Haitian history is full of zombies used by, Massive. The, used by the sugar companies as an uncomplaining workforce. And yeah. if you feed one of these zombies salt or meat, it gets triggered to recognize its state and will shuffle off to their grave. In the Haitian uh, history of Haiti, uh, it spans in a lot of different directions, but yeah. a, a lot of it was birthplace from there. Uh -huh. I mean, they were talking, you know, also like with the Bible, but that was more like the necromancy yep. like type of stuff. That's a different Funny. deal. But That's the very next part. Uh, Some zombies but, are reanimated by necromancy. No, exactly. And But the, uh, the Haitian part, what was interesting was they actually, and I say interesting just as a nerd for history, not mm -hmm. interesting on a personal stance or, or anything, but they had a problem with the slavery business, quote unquote, yes. over there. And the issue they were having was, is a lot of people were obviously getting so depressed. They were like, my life sucks. Yeah. Everything's terrible because mm -hmm. this just sucks. So they had uh, suicide started cropping up right. as a problem. Mm -hmm. So, the slave owners and slave traders and just everybody in the slave business mm -hmm. used the idea of zombies mm -hmm. with voodoo or right. hoodoo, however they want to, you know, yeah. claim it through there. And they used that as a actual like deterrent for suicide. Yeah. So basically like if you kill yourself, you could come back as a zombie mm -hmm. a, la, a la suicide and whether it worked or not, I don't know. I mean, but they said that it was actually used as a deterrent for that, which was nuts. I mean, okay. Yeah. Whatever, whatever creams Could you imagine going to work and, you know, you'd be like, eh, you know, I'm just not feeling it. It's fuck this shit o'clock. You know, I am. I've been really depressed. I am done. I've been really depressed. And, you Why know. Why am I doing all and this? And your boss would be like, well, you know, should you maybe get help? You know, that wasn't a thing. It was just no. like, look, look, if you're looking to, you Listen, know, throw yourself. Listen, do your job. Up, yeah. And if you think there's an easy way out, mm -hmm. shocker, 
uh, yeah, I got you'll news. just be a zombie. I got working. news for you. Yeah. You're going to be a zombie. Either way, you're working. And so those zombies weren't eat the brain zombies. No. You know, that was just no. basically you were this reanimated corpse. Yes. And, yes. you know, uh, so, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so when the zombie was reanimated by necromancy, most often it was used to communicate with the dead or to use them for divination purposes. Mm-hmm. And that's the most common type of necromancy, though more powerful practitioners added uh, catabasis. And in catabasis, a spirit projection of the necromancer travels to the underworld. And a related practice known as catadesmoi is more dangerous as the spirit is summoned and the necromancer imposes a quest on that spirit. And the spirits, shocker, aren't thrilled with this and things go wrong rather quickly. You can take Katadesmoy a step further and fix the summoned spirit inside a body, and that's actually what happened um, in an episode of the show, mm-hmm. was they had affixed the spirit into a body. And Agrippa's Three Books of Occult Philosophy mentions this as a staple of the occult tradition. And then they went so far as to list out how to kill a revenant. The lore all overlaps or conflicts, according to Supernatural. You're told to cut out the heart, soak it in wine, put it back, or drive needles into the feet, or just cut off the head, hands, and feet before burying everything at a crossroads, or burn the body and throw the ashes in running water, or their personal favorite favorite was to rely on the local population of wolves or wild dogs to dig the revenant out of its grave and tear it apart. So the most common are as follows, cutting the head off and putting it between the feet. It's mentioned in in the Icelandic tale uh, Grettir Saga, after Grettir kills the dragur called Glam. Quote, Grettir drew his short sword, cut off Glam's head, and laid it between his thighs. Then the bandi came out, having put on his clothes while Glam was speaking, but he did not venture to come near until he was dead. Thoral praised God and thanked Gatir warmly for having laid this unclean spirit. Then they set to work and burned Glam to cold cinders, bound to ashes in a skin, and buried them in a place far away from the haunts of man or beast. Burning the body. Mm. Uh, quote, at the mouth of the River Tweed and in the jurisdiction of the King of Scotland, there stands a noble city which is called Berwick. In this town, a certain man, very wealthy, but as it afterwards appeared, a great rogue, having been buried after his death, sallied forth by the contrivance, as it is believed, of Satan, out of his grave by night and was born hither and thither, pursued by a pack of dogs with loud barkings, thus striking great terror into neighbors and returning to his tomb before daylight. They procured ten young men, renowned for boldness, who were to dig up the horrible carcass and, having it, having cut it limb from limb, reduce into food and fuel for the flames. When this was done, the commotion ceased. Uh, cut out and burn the heart. Quote, a Christian burial indeed he received, though unworthy of it, but it did not much benefit him for issuing by the handiwork of Satan from his grave at nighttime and pursued by a pack of dogs with horrible barking. So there's a there's a common theme here yeah. that when the revenant walks among the living, the dogs are like, no, man, not cool. 
He wandered around the houses while all men made fast their doors and did not dare to go abroad on any errand, whatever, from the beginning of the night until sunrise for fear of meeting and being beaten black and blue by this vagrant monster. Thereupon, stretching upon a spade of but indifferent sharpness of edge and hastening to the cemetery, they began to dig. And whilst they were thinking that they would have to dig to a greater depth, they suddenly, before much of the earth had been removed, laid bare the corpse, swollen to an enormous corpulence with its countenance beyond measure, turgid and suffused with blood. So essentially, he was showing signs that probably was not dead. Yeah, yeah. While the napkin in which it had been wrapped appeared nearly torn to pieces. The young men, however, spurred on by wrath, feared not, and inflicted a wound upon the senseless carcass out of which incontinently flowed such a stream of blood that it might have taken it might have been taken for a leech filled with the blood of many persons. Mm-hmm. Then dragging it beyond the village, they speedily constructed a funeral pile and upon one of them saying that the pestilential body would not burn unless it's, unless its heart were torn out, the other laid open its side by repeated blows of the blunted spade and thrusting in his hand dragged out the accursed heart, this being torn piecemeal from the body, now consigned to flames. So so you got to take the heart out to burn the body? In this particular case. Yeah. So if your body isn't burning of yeah. your supposed quote-unquote revenant, you got to take the heart out, burn yeah. the heart, and then huh. the body will... Will burn as well. You know what I think about when I hear that? I watched Romance in the Stone a couple days ago. Tenedor del Diablo or the Heart of Coronado. That El Corazon. El Corazon. That's Spanish for the heart. <laughs> Spanish for the heart. Yeah. You're Helen God from Cartagena. You're Helen God from Cartagena. <laughs> from the Ameri- from the magazine American Anthropologist in 1896. The body of the brother, last dead, was accordingly exhumed, and living blood being found in the heart and in circulation, it was cremated, and the sufferer began immediately to mend and stood before me a hale, hearty, and vigorous man of 50 years. Hardy. Har, har, har. Uh, And then they have cut off the head and removed the heart to the revenant in this account from the abbot of Burton, England, in 1090. The very same day in which they were interred, they appeared at evening, while the sun was still up, carrying on their shoulders the wooden coffins in which they had been buried. The whole following night they walked through the paths and fields of the village, now in the shape of men carrying wooden coffins on their shoulders, now in the likeness of bears or dogs or other animals. They spoke to the other peasants, banging on the walls of their houses, and shouting, Move quickly, move, get going, come. The villagers became sick and started dying, but eventually the bodies of the revenants were exhumed, the heads cut off, and their hearts removed, which put an end to the spread of the sickness. Mm. And then the other is drive a stake through the head, mouth, heart, stomach. And they say, in Supernatural, this is almost universal. Usually the corpse has to be staked into its coffin, usually reserved uh, for revenants and vampires. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is enough to stake the revenant and return it to its coffin if the wood of the stake is hawthorn, oak, or ash, though certain gypsies swear by the wood of the wild rose That's tree. It's a lot of work. I mean, yeah. At the end of the At day. At the end of the day. It's a it lot is. of instructions. It's a lot of work. Yeah. So... I mean, you got to ask yourself, is it just easier just to have it around 
No. No? No. I wouldn't want. Then to go through all that work. I wouldn't and... want, because here's the thing, with a revenant, mm-hmm. when they're around, they're always a darker version. Like, they're not who they once were. So you're saying it's not a pesky problem. It's a more peskier problem to have them around? We're dealing with it more causes, than a nuisance. Correct. Yeah. It's more hassle than it's worth. Gotcha. That's Put it that a, way. It's a lot of steps. I mean, but I mean, there are there are others. That's just supernatural's version. Well, yeah, which honestly is a work of fiction. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. I mean, which, they that's what's do nice about these whole zombies. A lot of the lore. Yeah. 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 But at the end of the day, we're gonna get into the quote unquote real <laughs> yeah versions so in mythical creatures versions of zombies appear in the folklore folklore of world cultures dating back to prehistory mm. when gilgamesh spurns the advances of the goddess ishtar she threatens to take revenge by allowing the dead to go up and eat the living yep. since then fear of corpses attacking the living have been part of the folk beliefs of many lands in france during the middle ages it was believed that a person who had been murdered might rise from the grave to avenge their crime. In England, in the 12th century, historian William of Newburgh described several cases of reanimated corpses, or revenants, mm-hmm. hideous creatures that wandered through villages at night, spreading disease and killing anyone that they met. And so then, it's a lot of unfinished business. Correct. So. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. Except in voodoo. So yeah. the dragor, as mentioned, in North myth in Norse mythology mm-hmm. where the corpses of Viking warriors returned from the dead to attack the living as Viking warriors were likely to be buried with valuable weapons and other wealth. Yeah. The dragor uh, guarded graves, treasures, much like a dragon protecting its hoard. The dragor were believed to have supernatural strength and be able to grow to giant size after they emerged from the grave as wisps of smoke. These creatures killed living beings by crushing them, devouring them, or drinking their blood. So, super pleasant. Yeah, yeah. Voodoo. In the Caribbean Republic of Haiti, practitioners of voodoo believe that a bokor, or sorcerer, can revive a corpse by creating a zombie who remains under the bokor's power. Others say that voodoo sorcerers can turn living people into zombies by introducing a drug made from the poison of the pufferfish into their their bloodstreams through a wound. The drug induces a trance-like state in which the person becomes the slave of the bakor. So in the Illustrated Signs and Symbols source book, they mention that zombie is a Vodun term that has become the popular name for a revenant or one that returns from the dead. Although this could be considered a handy skill, the unfortunate zombie has no soul and will only survive if it has access to a sufficient quantity of meat from normal soul containing human bodies in this there is a parallel between the zombie and the vampire which this is the complete opposite of what they say in supernatural where if they eat meat they remember that oh hey i'm dead and then they go back to their grave Mm. in haitian myth a corpse can be reanimated by a powerful sorcerer the bakor as stated the zombie is really nothing but a robot that must do the bidding of the bakor and since it has no mind of it of its own, it's simply a ghastly mechanical creature 
Uh, there it is. <laughs> Although we may think of the zombie as nothing but a handy device for use in horror films, there are several reported eyewitness accounts with names and dates mentioned of people seen wandering around several years after their death. Yeah. A reminder that folklore, no matter how bizarre, carries a powerful symbolic punch. And the European zombie uh, differs from the Haitian one in that it returns to the land of the living for a reason. Like you said, they have a mission. They're Mm -hmm. a mission zombie. Unfinished zombie, And it's usually to avenge their own death. Mm -hmm. This would imply that this type of revenant has a mind and spirit of its own. And the term zombie has come to mean a person who carries out certain actions automatically without seeming to apply any conscious thought or decision-making processes to it. Mm-hmm. So, let's get into medical news. Let's get into what science says. Yeah, there's some pretty weird science-y stuff around it. Holy shit, buckle up. Yeah. So, the first thing they start with are the zombie ants. And I remember these. Yeah. Ophiocordyceps is a genus of fungi that has more than 200 species, and mycologists are still counting. Many species of fungi can be dangerous, often because they are toxic to animals, but there's one that, in particular that makes Ophiocordyceps especially frightening. This species of fungus target and infect various insects through their spores, After infection takes place, the parasitic fungus takes control of the insect's mind, altering its behavior to make the propagation of fungal spores more likely. Ophiocordyceps feed on the insects they attach to, growing into and out of their bodies until the insects die. And one of these species, Ophiocordyceps unilateralis sensulato, specifically infects, controls, and kills carpenter ants. Yeah. Campanatus castanius, native to North America. Two, zombie spiders. Because, you know, like spiders, spiders weren't bad, are bad en- enough. Yeah, we need a zombie <laughs> spider. So last year, zoolog- zoologist Felipe Fernandez Fournier from the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada, and colleagues made a chilling discovery in the Ecuadorian Amazon. They found trusted source that a previously unknown species of Zatapoda wasp can manipulate spiders from the Analosimus eximius species to an an extent that researchers have never before witnessed in nature. Eximius spiders are social animals that prefer to remain in groups, never staying straying too far from their colonies. But... Fernandez Fournier and team noticed that members of this species infected with Zatapoda larvae exhibited bizarre behavior, leaving their colony to weave tightly spun, cocoon-like webs in remote locations. When the researchers opened these artificial cocoons, they found Zatapoda larvae growing inside. Further research presented a gruesome string of events. The Zatapoda wasps lay eggs on the abdomen of the... Eximius spiders. Mm-hmm. When the egg hatches and the wasp larva emerges, it starts feeding on the spider and begins to take control of its body. When the larva have gained full control of its host, it turns it into a zombie-like creature that is compelled to stray away from its mates and spin the cocoon-like nest 
that will allow the larva to grow into the adult wasp. Before entering its new cocoon, the wasp larva first finishes its job by devouring its host. Yeah. So wasps manipulating the behavior of spiders has been observed before, but not at a level as complex as this. That's crazy. (sighs) Well, it's just weird because, like, I was glad you were bringing this up because this was stuff that I had mm-hmm. in my notes because people always gravitate towards the nice things that nature does. Like all these like cool, nice, like sweet things that nature does. And then like in their head, the most evil thing is like a, a shark eating like a, a a seal or something like that. You know, that's terrible. Or like a uh, a cheetah running down and just taking a gazelle, you know, like a zebra. You haven't been paying attention. Nature is brutal. No, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Like there are these weird dark spots of nature Yeah, where like if you were to just remotely, (coughs) if you were to remotely consider the idea of that being on a human level, that would just be insane. Absolutely insane. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just saying remotely, not like, yeah, like parallel. Just just remotely. But could you imagine, you're a scientist, and yeah. you're like, oh, my God, here I am, out here again. It's so hot. Like, seriously, what else are we going to learn about these stupid wasps and these stupid spider? Wait, what? <laughs> no, and then, and then you're like, like to... wait a minute. Okay, Brian. Please tell me you just saw what I just saw. I would like to see it more in like the journal day one work like the not the not the formal scientific journal, the personal journal. Day one. Day one. Found spiders. Stuck with this. Stuck okay. with spiders. Stuck with wasps. Day two. Wondering if I wasps. should move into a different field, <laughs> you know, just like go through the whole like analysis of it. Then like day two, you know, I might quit, but. I might be onto something here. And then like at day some three, point, like day day gotten stung eight times. Yeah. <laughs> building building a wasp uh destroyer as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> and then like day fourteen would come along and then it would just be OMG. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I just saw a zombie spider. I just saw a zombie spider. I'm so glad I'm working with spiders. This is amazing. It's going to transform my- I made the my, best series of decisions. This is the best, yeah. This it, is the best thing that's ever happened to me. It would go from wanting, to, wanting them to slit their wrists sideways with a spoon to like hoisting the trophy. <laughs> Building you know. uh, wasp catchers <laughs> and uh, <laughs> wasp That's killers. the journal I want to read. It's, I mean, it yeah. would probably be pretty interesting. Yeah, or not. Okay. That's, so let's get into the reanimated virus because, yeah. hey, why not? Yeah, that's not of the times. No. <laughs> uh, reanimating humans, or at least human-like creatures, as in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein mm-hmm. or H.P. Lovecraft's, uh, Lovecraft's Herbert West reanimator, yeah. is a notion that has picked the interest of writers, filmmakers, and, of course, scientists throughout the ages. Hard stop. Yeah. Scientists are really, truly interested in reanimating corpses. Yeah, you'd think, right? Have they not watched the, have they not read the books? Have they not watched the movies? Why would you think that's a good idea? I put that right in the line with, like, the robots. 
Yes, exactly. How many Terminator movies do you have to see before you realize that AI and robots probably is not a really good thing? You want to hear something stupid? This is where we are today with stupid. The fact that science already did that? No, the fact that you're a human on a computer talking to a machine. You're on the internet. Mm -hmm. And in order to log into something, they have to determine whether you're human so they do the captchas. Correct. And you've got to find in all the pictures where a school bus is. Correct. Or a stop sign. Yeah. You mean to tell me a fucking robot can't do that? Especially when we as humans programmed them. <laughs> well, no, just to the fact that we're going to have cars driving themselves. Yeah, exactly. But yet this is the test to find out you're not a robot. I mean, yeah. sit I'm and think about that for pretty just. Pretty sure a robot yeah. can match school bus word with an object that says school bus. Well, I hope it can do a school bus. Otherwise, it's going to run into one with the car. Just, you know, folks, don't waste half a day on that, but just think about it for maybe five seconds. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we're in dumb times. That's- we are. Uh, should we call this Dark Ages Part Duh? Oh, I don't know. I think. Have we just never come out of the dark ages? No, Are I, we still in there? I just, we just no, I'm still know. convinced that Idiocracy is the sci-fi movie we grew up to. Yeah. Like, we're growing up to that. Idiocracy is it right there. Yep. I think if you if you want a crystal ball in the form of a show of a television, mm-hmm. I think Idiocracy is like a good platform to start. Yeah. And then go from there. Because... Oh we're, yeah, no. We're I was almost the humans in Wally when they're all just sitting on their chairs oh, yeah, watching yeah. TV yeah, and no, drinking that's... their drinks. Well, and that's idiocracy where yeah. the water's out and they're drinking Gatorade, <laughs> you know, and they're just like looking at like shapes on the screen and they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, but while reviving dead humans may not be on the on the cards for our race. Just yet. Just yet. Literally written in a science journal. Yeah. Just yet. Yeah. Reviving other organisms is. And yeah. this can be particularly unsettling when we think that those organisms are viruses. Yeah. Hey, so we've got this block. Well, Jen, of you got to start small. You can't start big. So why don't we just start with a virus? Yeah. You know, it's smart. What, what bad could it's come from It's way over it? your head, Jen. Quit using your lady brain. I know. Oh, my this God. This is where Malus Malficarum's lady. got it right. <laughs> lady brain. You know, don't use your lady brain because <laughs> your lady brain can't handle that. You know, so, I can't wait for zombie dogs as a result of that. And then we're going to have Cujo. Stephen King's going to be like, I told you so. <laughs> I wrote about this shit long time ago. Right. Uh, in 2014, researchers from the Centre National de la Recherche mm. Scientifique at I Marseille University in France dug Wait. a fascinating organism out of the Siberian permafrost, a so-called giant virus about mm. 30,000 years old, which they named Pithovirus sibericum. Giant viruses are called this way because, though still tiny, they are easily visible under the microscope. They should have called it Andre the virus. Right? There is something else that makes P. Sibericum stand out. It is a DNA virus that contains a large number of genes, as many as 500 to be precise. Mm. This is in stark contrast with other DNA viruses, such as the humano immunodeficiency virus, yes. HIV, which only contains about 12, 12 genes, genes in yeah. all. 
The size of giant viruses, as well as the fact that they contain such a large amount of DNA, can make them particularly dangerous, explain the researchers who discovered P. cybericum, since they can stick around for an extremely long time. So, let's fuck with it. Seems like a great idea. What could go wrong? Let's poke it with a short stick. (laughs) (laughs) So, among known viruses, the giant viruses tend to be very tough, almost impossible to break open, Mm -hmm. explained two of the viruses' discoverers, Jean-Michel Claveret and Chantal Abagel in an interview for National Geographic. Well, congratulations, guys. <laughs> Hope you're proud of yourselves. <laughs> Zombie plants. <laughs> so, again, 2014. Apparently, a banner year for this shit. It was a banner year It was for... a year of zombies. Yeah. Researchers from the Jean Eins Center in Norwich, United Kingdom found that certain bacteria known as phytoplasma can turn some plants into zombies. Mm-hmm. Great. Tell me more. The bacteria, which insects disseminate, infect plants such as goldenrods, which have yellow flowers. The infection causes the goldenrods to put out leaf-like extensions instead of their usual blooms. Now, For those of you who are plant nerds, you have to have the flower because that's where you get the seed so that you can get another plant. So if it doesn't flower, you don't get another plant. There's a lot of weed enthusiasts that understand exactly what you're saying. (laughs) These leaf-like growths attract more insects, which allow the bacteria to travel widely and infect other plants. While the transformation does not cause the plant to die, researchers are fascinated by how phytoplasma can bend their host's will to make it grow the elements they require to spread and thrive. Oh my God, isn't it amazing? Yeah. Quote, Let's poke it with a stick. The insects transmit bacteria, so-called phytoplasmas, which destroy the life cycle of the plants says Professor Gunther Theben from (laughs) Friedrichs Schiller University. That Gunther? (laughs) University Jena in Germany, one of the researchers who have closely studied the activity of phytoplasma. Good job, Gunther. (sighs) Yeah. Seriously. God, it's making you happy. Maybe just leave shit alone. No way, (laughs) Jen. No way. Can't leave shit alone. let's poke this 30,000-year-old giant virus with a stick. What could go wrong? Hey, it's got 500 Gs in here. Isn't this freaking cool? It's super strong. It's so hard to break apart. Meanwhile, HIV has 12. It's it's so hard to break apart. Let's let's poke it harder. Yeah. I think we need a sharper stick. Yeah, yeah. Five. Human zombies. How many do you have? I don't know, like 57? Uh, We're not doing all 57. No, there's only five. Jeez. Fucking jerk. (laughs) Uh, I love dealing with this on a daily basis. It's great. Just brings so much spice to my life. Joy. I think the word you're looking for. Well, no, there's joy. joy. It's a spicy joy. (laughs) All right, so let's do. Human Human zombies? zombies? Question mark? Maybe. Can humans turn into zombies? In the 1990s, Dr. Siobhan Doyen and Professor Roland Littlewood decided to investigate whether Haitian zombies, reanimated but mindless humans, were a real possibility. Yeah. 
1997, the two published a study paper in the Lancet Trusted Source in which they analyzed the cases of three individuals from Haiti whose communities had identified them as zombies. Mm -hmm. One was a 30-year-old woman who had allegedly quickly died after having fallen ill. Her family recognized her walking about as a zombie three years after this incident. Another was a young man who had died at 18 and reemerged after another 18 years at a cockfight, as one does. Because when I come back, that's the first thing I want to see is a cockfight. The final case study concerned another woman who had died at 18, but was spotted again as a zombie 13 years after this event. Was she at a cockfight too? Maybe she was in the cockfight. Whoa. So Dr. Doyen and Professor Littlewood examined the three zombies and found that they had not been the victims of an evil spell. Instead, medical reasons could explain their zombification. The first zombie had catatonic schizophrenia, a rare condition that makes the person act as though they are walking in a stupor. Mm -hmm. The second person had experienced brain damage and also had epilepsy. Okay. Yeah. While the third appeared merely to have a learning disability. So wait. Let's back up a second. Let's back up a second. I, I'll go with them with the catatonic schizophrenia because of persons walking around in a stupor. But let's in, not forget the part where they said they died. Yeah, I'm invested in that idea at the surface, but we're just leaping Correct. right over the died the part. The part where they died, yeah. which assumes yeah. that See, they were like buried. If I didn't know how this was going to end, if I didn't know that, I the answer I would have wanted to hear was that they found three doppelgangers. Right, yes. And, you know, case closed. <laughs> Boom, done. Oh my God! QED, yeah. Quite. But instead, done. they're just like, no, you know, it's this, it's this, it's this disorder of the brain. Okay, let's back up, Chief. What about the dying part? Yeah, yeah. So, you know. quote: People with a chronic schizophrenic illness, brain injury, or mm-hmm. learning disability are not uncommonly met with wandering in Haiti. Yeah. Okay. I get that too. But how about the part where they died? Yeah. I like how they just jumped right over that. No, they that. gloss right over that. They and, saw that Rubik's Cube. They're moving yeah, on. Yeah, and they you would know. be particularly likely to be identified as lacking volition and memory, which are characteristics of a zombie, the researchers write in their paper. But there's also a specific psychiatric disorder called Cotard syndrome that can cause people to act like zombies. This is because they are under the delusion that they are dead or decomposing. Mm-hmm. It remains unclear just how prevalent this condition is, but research suggests that it is a rare occurrence. Documented cases of people with Cotard syndrome are unsettling, nevertheless, reports the situation of a 53-year-old woman who was complaining that she was dead, smelled like rotting flesh, Mm. and wanted to be taken to a morgue so that she could be with the dead people. Be with her peeps? Another trusted... Not a cemetery. Let's go to the morgue. Yeah, where the freshies are. You just got to be where the dead people are. Another trusted source speaks of a 65-year-old man who had developed a belief that his organs, including his brain, had stopped working, and that even the house in which he lived was slowly but steadily falling apart. Mm, zombie house. Because that's that's a thing that happens. 
at some point, yeah, the that's man, something. The, that's something the zombie subculture hasn't. Nobody yet. says a nobody's word about a, that. Nobody's done a zombie house. No, yet. no, the house decaying with the person. Yeah, yeah. So at some point, the man attempted to take his own life. Researchers report that his suicide note revealed that he wanted to kill himself as he feared spreading a deadly infection to the villagers, who mm. resultantly might suffer from cancer. Yeah. Okay. Do such cases mean that zombies are real in some way or just as our fascination with the figure of zombie and folklore and popular culture, or do they merely reflect our uneasy relationship with death? We leave it to you to decide. And then I actually have a case report of a person with Cotard syndrome. However, what I was trying desperately to find was there was a legit case of a guy where he mysteriously got sick and his family went through the whole thing. He died or he supposedly died. Mm -hmm. And then he suddenly like, not suddenly many years later, they saw him wandering around their village and they're like, wait, you're dead. And I could not find yeah. that story. Like, there you know was, what I wonder? there's a legit name associated with it. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's one of those things where, like, the hospital makes a mistake. Like, they come out to the family in the waiting room, and they're like, look, I'm sorry, but your family member just passed away. And they're like, oh, my God. And they're like, look, we have, we have little, we'll give you this brochure. You can whatever mm-hmm. and, and go away. <laughs> And then they come back, they come back and the doctor's like, and like the nurse is like, doc, no, he's alive still. And they're like, I already told him, let's just push him out the back door. We'll (laughs) drop him off two towns over. Yeah, no, in in this one, like they did, they did the whole thing. They had the viewing, they had the the service and he was buried, but he had been. Because when they saw him walking around, they went back to yeah, his grave, to and check. he wasn't in his he coffin. There. See, that's so the, that's, that's the where the Bokor digging up the the person mm-hmm. to become like their zombie slave. Yeah. That's where that whole thing started from. And oh, do you yeah. think I could find that story? No. Instead, no. I've got the Cotard syndrome woman <sighs> of yeah. a fifty three year old Filipino woman. Mm-hmm. Who, who was admitted to the psychiatric unit when her family called 911 because the patient was complaining that she was dead. She smelled, this is the smelled like rotting flesh and wanted to be taken to the morgue so she could be with the dead people. Yeah, that's picky. Upon interview in the hospital, the patient express, expressed fear that paramedics were trying to burn down the house where she was living with her cousin and her brother. She also admitted to hopelessness, low energy, decreased appetite, and somnolescence. Mm. Ms. L reported that she had been on antidepressants while in the Philippines, where she had resided for the last 18 years, having moved to the U.S. only a month ago, but could not recall the name or dosage of the medication. After organic causes were ruled out, treatment with catiapine and bupropion SR was started. The patient was initially reluctant to take the medication or eat, she subsequently developed an electrolyte imbalance, hypokalemia and hyponatremia, which necessitated intravenous electrolyte repletion. The patient was also isolative, spending much of the day in bed and neglecting her personal hygiene and grooming. Mm. With her family support, the decision was made to take the patient to court for treatment over objection. 
Subsequently, the patient's medication regimen was bupropion SR, olanzapine, intramuscular if she refused the oral form. And a few days later, the patient had a questionable uh, syncopal versus seizure episode necessitating transfer to a medical unit. After three days, she returned to the psychiatric floor where her medication regimen was olanzapine, escitalopram because of the questionable seizure on bupropion, and lorazepam for agitation. She showed improvement in symptoms over one month on olanzapine, 25 milligrams daily, escitalopram, 20 milligrams daily, and lorazepam, 2 milligrams daily. At discharge, she denied nihilistic or paranoid delusions and hallucinations and expressed hopefulness about her future and a desire to participate in psychiatric follow-up care. Mm. So, I mean, I get that. But what about the dude where they buried him, his family dug up his That sounds like a call to action, Jen. And he wasn't in his grave and he was wandering around. And I think, if I remember correctly, like he was working in like, the sugar, he was you working just, in the you sugar field. You just task me for that for the next one. I'll bring it up. I'll find so, it. If it's out yeah, there in the, in the web, I I'll searched find it. Yeah. far and wide. Yeah. So we and, moving over to the mainstream stuff now? And all I got is freaking catard syndrome. That's fine. And zombie spiders. We heading over to the mainstream stuff let's now? Let's do it. All let's right. Get into the, let's get into the juice. The juice. <laughs> the nuts and bolts of why well, we're here. And the thing is, is this is where it changes. This is where it totally changes because basically mainstream entertainment brought zombies to life on a very, very large sense. Yes. And um, probably if you were to give it to, I mean, originally there was a, uh, you know, I always hate doing movies on this, but zombies, we couldn't dodge around it. Yeah, I mean, it's basically half half the zombie lore is movies and TV shows and whatnot. Yes. It's literally half the half of, half of it in total. So in the cinema 1930s there was White Zombie directed by Victor Help, Helperin in 1932 and that's one of the basically the earliest examples of movies with zombies. Okay. And and by the name zombies. Mm-hmm. Now 1968 George A Romero's this is the one that everybody knows about Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. That blew it blew it out basically. And that was um, basically like you bred the zombie with the vampire and they got like this hybrid uh, like monster. But in the movie, they called them ghouls. Got it. Didn't use zombies. Right. What, where the term zombie came was actually from the TV writers and movie writers and reviewers of that time. And they were calling it zombies and they were rallying it around because zombie was a better catchphrase to, promote the movie and stuff like that. Then ghoul. Yeah. And George took the name into it right after the movie. He's just like replace ghoul with zombie or zombie with ghoul mm-hmm. and went from there. And when he did the second one, they were zombies. Right. So if you watch by ghoul. Yep. Hey zombie. By ghoul it's done. And uh and then basically that was kind of chugging along. You had that was that whole horror film era of the like late sixties to mm-hmm. early eighties. Mm-hmm. late 70s through there um and then it kind of declined a bit uh it just wasn't as commercially successful didn't really get too too crazy uh 
over in Asia in the eighties, they started picking it up and there were some Japanese films that they were toying around with the zombie, mm-hmm. uh, zombie bit of it. And then, uh, the far East as well, the far East where it really, really kicked up. And I know there's people saying, Oh, you're missing this, this movie and that movie, but we're really just talking about the big ones that kind of just like transformed yeah. everything. And really, it really has to go to two Japanese zombie games released in 1996. And that was Capcom's Resident Evil. And that changed everything. Everything. And Sega came out with a, it was an arcade shooter. You first played it on the Sega Dreamcast. I had both these games. I had the PlayStation with uh, Resident Evil. And I had the Dreamcast with House of the Dead. And House mm-hmm. of the Dead was awesome. You had the gun, aim it at the TV, and the zombies were coming up all over the place. But Resident Evil changed everything as far as the zombie culture because what they introduced the idea of was the lab and the yep. virus thing. Yep. But now this is the video game subculture still. It's not like today where video games are kind of appreciated by many generations wide. Right. When we were younger and, you know, I mean, this is... This is like my, we were graduation era through here, 96, mm-hmm. three years prior to that. Yeah. But but the fact <laughs> is, is like th- only people of that age, younger, and maybe some older people that were really getting into video games, but not like today. You know, I mean, I you talk to every kid, every, pretty much every single one of their parents will pick up the controller to play some, some sort of video game right. or something like that. But. Yeah, Capcom with Resident Evil changed it right around to where, you know, now it's this lab mm-hmm. and, you know, there's this hospital and this evil corporation, the, uh, the, the umbrella, umbrella corporation, you know, yeah. yeah and it, it really just had this beautiful crafted story mm-hmm. and the games at the time were just, they were new and groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. They were the first games to bring in jump scares, Yeah, you know, which a ton of games have now and it has its own own genre and spot of it basically but they were the first i remember uh, there was a group of us like five of us and we're playing the game and we got the lights off the music's all creepy and i remember like a dog jumped through like a a mirror Mm -hmm. and it's just like smash and everybody's like jesus you know and just like jump back and um and they just kept that pace i mean obviously resident evil still going on with games Mm -hmm. And they're still cranking out good stuff. And uh, and then that threw uh, some movies, but it created this revival, basically. And then basically the next movie, I think the movie that really turned it around was 28 Days Later in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember watching that. We were talking about it earlier today where like that first 10, 15 minutes of the movie, you look at it. And again, that was another version of it being in a lab yep it escapes out the lab but like that first 10 15 minutes where the reason they were in the lab and it was those animal activists and they were trying to free the monkeys yep and the scientist is like what the hell did you just do you know and they were oh we're freeing the the monkeys you know and they're all just like woo, you know go us 100 percent plausible no exactly like you're watching this and you're like holy shit this is exactly how it could happen. Like 28 days later, yeah. it made it real. 
Yes. Like all yes. these other ones were just hypothetical or, oh, that's crazy. It's scary, but yep. it's crazy, you know, and like there's no connection to the real on it. Right. Where 28 Days Later made it like 100% legitimate. Yes. And you had these these animal rights activists coming yep. in, freeing these these um, these animals. They're putting them out of the cage. And the scientist comes. He's like, what the hell did you just do? And he's like, they're contaminated with what? Rage. Yeah. And they just go nuts. And then, like, you see this next sequence of events, which I think if it was something highly communicable, it would go fast like that. Correct. Yes, And nobody would. would be able to catch up. No. And, like, the news couldn't keep up. And it'd just be this mystery thing. Yes. And then the next thing you know, you got, like, 10% of the population left walking around. Yes. And you got that dude. Uh, I always forget his name. He was he was really good in it, um, the one that woke up out of the hospital and was yeah, walking I, around. He's been in a, a number of movies. Really good actor, and and he's just walking around like it's empty. Like what the hell's going on? And uh, and then that brought in like Shaun of the Dead. Oh my god! Which was a great you know that was uh, like two years later, and uh, Shaun of the Dead. I thought the genius of that was is it made it kind of like uh, you felt sorry for him. You know, yeah. it was these dumb zombies. They weren't, you know, like hyperactive fast because well, that I, was what 28 Days Later did, too. It sped up the zombies. If I'm going to be honest, I would much rather deal with the Shaun of the Dead zombie, the yeah. Walking Dead zombie, than the Resident Evil or 28 Days Later 28 zombie. Days Later or World because, War Z, you know, Because once, you, you know. don't stand a chance against those. Oh, yeah. No, it's like a hyperactive deal. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, 28 Days Later not only made it real, but they made it freaking frightening. Because yes. the fact that, like, oh, you yeah. don't stand a chance. We never thought they could run. We never thought yeah, that. Exactly. They, you know. <laughs> Prince. You know, yeah. Prince, no, dragon, just, dragon, you know, body parts and Plants whatnot. versus. Yeah. Plants versus zombies, uh, zombies, you know, but yeah, so that's where, uh, you know, uh, where was I heading with? Yeah. Shaun of the dead made it a more kind of playful, mm -hmm. which I mean, it's Simon Pegg down to a nutshell. I, I mean, he's, Simon Pegg. he's just absolutely great. That's where they, instead of 28 days later, they did 28 weeks later, which was a sequel to that. And that wasn't so bad either. Mm -hmm. Uh, that, that was a good one as well. And then. I mean, there were other ones. There was like Diary of a Dead Kid and stuff like that. And there were some really good ones. But I mean, really, we just got to bring up the point of The Walking Dead. Yeah. And this goes back to where you're saying, well, in 2014, this is what the doctors were doing and all that. 2013 was when Walking Dead came out. Yeah. And Walking Dead just like blew it wide open. I will say. You know. A uh, graphic novel. The graphic novels are. Way. Way, way better. far and ahead. Uh if, if you're you, into the television show, yeah. I highly recommend that you read the graphic novel. Yeah. Because what you thought was amazing, you'll actually be pretty pissed about. You'll be like, there's this whole other thing that happened. Yeah, but it's just in the confines of how it was yeah. done. I mean, yeah. AMC had the show. Yes. If HBO took the show on, they could have done- Showtime yeah, or one of those. One of that. Yeah. They could have, they would have had more- they would have gave the the crew more freedom to to follow. Well, they wouldn't the have been restricted by the confines of cable TV. Well, yeah, no, I mean it's a series of boards you have to run exactly. through. Exactly. Just so yeah. you know, you don't have some stupid 
person complaining, which they're going to fucking complain anyways. Because, you know, that's... But no, AMC just couldn't do some things. And I don't want to spoil this story because there's, no, if you haven't read it... definitely it's worth it. So here's it. the thing. If you've never... If you want to get into it and you haven't watched the show, read the graphic novel first. Yeah. Give yourself just the true joy of going through that story. Yes. And then if you've watched it already and haven't read it, watch, you know, read it. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. either way, read the books. But... Yeah, Walking Dead had the highest audience ratings in the United States for any show on broadcast or cable at that time with an average of 5.6 million viewers in the 18 to 49-year-old demographic. Yeah. Freaking huge. It is huge. For But I think the genius of Walking Dead, and this goes for the show or... Or the graphic or novel. Or the graphic novel is the fact that it's not really about the zombies no, at all. No, It's about the people. Correct. The whole struggle of the people. Right. And, like, don't get me wrong, they had some legendary events of, like, them stopping zombie hordes. And right, there was yeah, those one-on-one yeah. -on -one struggles where maybe, like, a family was trying to protect themselves. Mm -hmm, and, you mm -hmm. know, and they had to make these decisions that they never would have made before in their right, lives. You yes. know, that it's it's definitely, this is where, like, 28 days later... And on brought, this is again what 28 Days Later brought. And also what Resident Evil brought was the idea of the apocalyptic idea of zombies. Right. Not just to the point where they're a nuisance in a town, but where the, it was apocalyptic. It was a plague, and, yeah. And you were actually in this fight for life and death on a mass scale. And Correct. everybody's on it. And I think Walking Dead portrayed that perfectly. It did. Whether it was through the show or the graphic novels, right. it was yes. just, it was definitely perfect because where you really got interested into the show was when they encountered someone else. Yes. And it People. was, yeah. And you got so attached to these characters mm -hmm. and you got so attached to this main group that the story followed. Right. When someone else came in, it was bad news because like right. yeah. now shit's going to go down and you're sitting there like, man, how is this person going to fuck up the group? Yeah, how is and this then they throw out? the occasional one where someone would come in and contribute. Great. Right. You know, and then, but it was always, and that's where they formed the questions to find this level of trust. And, you know, you're all into the questions too. They're like, oh man, they're slipping up on that answer, you know? Yep. And it was a really, it changed everything in, in that regard. And also what was amazing and again, changing things and making it so popular. In 2011, the United States Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, published a graphic novel called Preparedness 101, Zombie Apocalypse. Yes. And it actually provided tips to survive a zombie invasion. And this was basically their method of doing like this fun way of like teaching Emergency preparedness, basically. Right, yes. And they did it in the zombie. Well, didn't uh, that come out shortly after the dude was found uh, cracked out oh, in uh So that was in Florida. Florida. Yeah, eating that the was guy's face. bath salts. Yeah. And he was snorting bath salts, and he was eating, yeah. And all that came in, and I remember this... I remember watching a video of that, and I was just like, so Zombies! Weird. Well, yeah, I mean, it looks exactly like it. And... uh and this goes back to also some drugs where you were talking about, like, the, the puffer fish there. Yeah. There's this, um, uh, I was watching, I think it was on Vice when I first saw it. They did this television special, and it was called The, the Most Dangerous Drug mm -hmm. in the World. And it was in Colombia. 
and this dude from Vice went over to Columbia and he was checking it out and it's called Devil's Breath. Okay. And um, I'll have to show it to you sometime because it's uh it's pretty crazy. But it's this uh it's called a uh, scopo 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 <laughs> scopolamine, I think. Scopolamine. Scopolamine? Scopolamine, yeah. Um and basically it's used for a, a number of things. Um and it's been around I think they first isolated it in like eighteen eighty or something like that. It's used for motion sickness, seasickness, vomiting, uh zombie maybe IBS and stuff like that. Um but it's used in very, very small amounts. So what happens when you use it in very, very large amounts? This is where you get into the negatives. There's the, you become really docile. There's a lack of free will, mm-hmm. memory loss, mm-hmm. these really powerful, like bad hallucinations. Uh, you could be completely unconscious up to like 24 hours. Sounds great. And at real high doses, like anything else, you can die from it. Basically, it's used a lot on the underground crime syndicate. Creative director Dean. Really? He's got a lot to say about Uh, that. He does. He does. Basically, though, what they're using it for, it's basically used to manipulate people to do things. Okay. So, for example, you're at a bar. Somebody will come and they'll either, they have it on like a business card. So you can like handle it on a card. Yeah. And like say you wipe your face. They say that's enough to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also say that, um, you know, it's a powder. They'll like blow it into your face. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it creates this sense of basically some people say that they, they were conscious and saw everything happening, but they had no control of it. The loss of free right. will bet. Yep. So they would either... The stories would consist from anything of them being robbed themselves and they would know it and they'd actually let these people into their homes and let them rob them mm-hmm. or they would partake in some sort of a robbery mm-hmm. and do it for them. Number of these stories with it. And like this dude uh, who was with Vice, uh, he was a reporter for them. He went and traveled to check it all out. And like, yeah, there's people in Columbia. They're like, yeah, no, devil's breath. Like you don't fuck with it. They got all these precautions, of like chain of custody with drinks and stuff like right, that. Yeah. Like it's, it's a real thing there. And he actually was saying, I remember uh, watching the documentary on it, that he wanted to go there and he wanted to uh, to try it. He wanted to try it and see exactly how he went. And then um, he said that by the time he arrived, uh, like a few days later, he just like changed his mind completely. He was like, I'm no, not, I'm, fuck, good. I'm, I'm not good. touching this thing. I'm not. I'm not going to do it at all. Like the, the stories were that scary, mm-hmm. but but yeah, it's weird how it came into this. Now you've got like this since the twilight movies, you've got these stories of the zombies where you got to feel sorry for them. And you know, um, it's, it's the apologetic, uh, like zombie, like, you, you know, the it's, it's gone from this, this full range of being afraid of a zombie to the zombies could take over the world. And this seems like a theory of all monsters. I'm not just picking on the zombies or the thing, but like, look at like Frankenstein. When Frankenstein originally came out, he was a monster. Yes. Then there was more stories that came out where he was more of the science experiment. Right. Then there was the one where like, he's, (laughs) he's misunderstood, Yeah. you know, and you just got to understand Frankenstein. And that's where a lot of zombie stories are heading. Now we're in that kind of, 
right. last part of it, which will ultimately mean the decline of, of zombies. zombie stories. Yes. And you're seeing it now. Really, the only zombie stories that'll kind of kick out is basically Call of Duty and the video games where, you know, you can shoot a zomb- zombie horde up and, and that's fun. And Resident Evil is still kicking it because, I mean, honestly, they just crush it. They just right, do it yeah. great. And uh, hey, if it's not broke, no, and like World War Z, I think was kind of the pinnacle of like the apocalyptic zombies type thing. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like those big hordes where they're just like going over the walls yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, it's just like a crazy, crazy scenario. You just can't top that. No, like it's just the way it is. And I think this is where you're going to start seeing this decline where now we're going to see the misunderstood zombie. Yeah. You know, like Bill Murray. And uh, how to, how to, or what was it? How to kill a zombie or zombie land? Zombie land, yeah. yeah. You know that's that misunderstood zombie. You know where, you know, zombie land pretty much, I think, kind of sealed it with that. Mm-hmm. They had the whole rules, yeah, everything you had to do, so on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and that's where I think, like I said, a lot of these stories you see that that curve, you know, or mm-hmm. that growth curve, you know, and like Frankenstein's a result of it. Vampires are a result of it. Yeah. I mean, you had probably the last like fierce ones were underworld. Yes. But that was turning the story of a love story. Yes. Where, you know, they were, had feelings, compassionate and stuff like that. Twilight really emphasized it on that regard. They and then you kind of had like the Abraham Lincoln zombie killer and yeah. stuff like that it, it takes these kind of just different tones and it's the same same thing you know vampires insert your monster right yeah and it has that curve where it hits every facet of fear apocalyptic yep. social reasons all of that and and it, it just for some reason it follows that code that's just the way humanity is that's the way we put the stories in yeah yeah what creeps me out it's the science crap yeah. because again, this is where I, it drives me nuts with mainstream entertainment and things like that. I get about being creative. Yeah. I get about trying to pursue your creative ability more and more. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. I'm a creative person myself mm-hmm. and I like to push myself, but I think at the end of the day, there's an inherent responsibility that you know that there's a bunch of people that are going to take this the wrong way. Yes. And I find it just terribly coincidental that the stuff you're talking about with scientists checking out were the same time when zombies were at their peak with Walking Dead. Yeah. The second year of Walking Dead. Yeah. Second or third year where everybody's just talking about it. Yeah. And so I scientists think, are like, hey, guess what we're doing with yeah, zombies? Yeah, so you know what? Maybe we should check this out too. Look at, we're you mainstream. Know. Yeah, yeah, because they never talked about zombie spiders before that. They didn't talk about well, zombies. Well, we did know about well. the zombie ants. We did know about those for a while. Yeah, Even yeah. that, when we learned it, we're like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. But to me, personally, as a kind of wrap-up with all this, to me personally, I think the zombie thing is more plausible for an apocalyptic scenario. Part, scenario other than an asteroid hitting the Earth. That's my top two things. Yeah. Asteroid hitting the earth is number one. (laughs) Yep. Because that's basically what happened with the dinosaurs. Because it's happened before. It's happened before. Yeah. So we don't have to sit there and theorize whether it's possible. It's just a matter of when. That's timing. Yeah. For us, bad timing. You know, but but it's just timing nonetheless. 
Now, the second thing is the virus thing, turning people into something yeah. that they can't control themselves. Yes. And there's a lot of that going a on virus now. virus escaping a lab and this, like, apocalyptic event yeah. happening as a result of it, 100% Like I said, plausible. twenty to me, 28 days later... Yes. Just totally nailed like yes. the realistic nature of how it could happen. Exactly. And like, I wasn't even a believer of it before then. I was just like, oh yeah, zombies, uh, brains, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then I watched that. And like I said, 15 minutes in, like I couldn't have, I didn't even need to watch the rest of the movie, but it, I mean, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Great movie. The fact is, is that first 15 minutes or so you just look and you're like, this is exactly how it could happen. And I think some words of advice to the uh, <laughs> animal advice or animal uh, rights activists yeah. out there. I understand being so upset yeah, that I do. Science is using animals for experimentation. Yeah. 100% get it. Yeah. That being said, if you truly want to help said animals, it's not releasing them. It's euthanizing them because exactly for this reason, you don't know no, you have what no, they have done to those animals. You have no idea what they're doing. No. Hello, the movie Outbreak. Again, yeah. that was a movie taken yeah. from an animal research facility. You don't mess with that shit. No, the idea of it's legitimate. I no, mean, it really... it's very romantic. Oh, oh how yeah. wonderful. You're saving these animals. They're not animals anymore. Yeah. yeah. They're experiments. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you need, and just like the scientists are yeah, looking at them. Yeah, but you can't tell an emotional person that's wrapped up into something like that. They they can't then, differentiate. To the that. emotional people, you know, <laughs> mind your business. Yeah, well, no, it's just not going to happen. You know, it's a higher cause thing to some, to a certain degree. If you place yourself in that type of situation where you feel that you're the only one who can save it, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's, yeah. a, you, you can't yeah. reach that type of a person. And that's where, like I said, that's what makes 28 days so scary. Exactly. In because the, there's a bunch of dumb shits who would 100% do this. No, that's what I'm saying. It's plausible. That's that's the most plausible zombie. Probably happened in China You know, already. Who, who knows? <laughs> you know, you don't know. But yeah. the fact is, is like if there was a very terrible disease like rage, you know, like I just. Exactly. You know, like they had in that in that movie. That is the scenario of how I would see it spreading. Correct. Yes. Best case scenario, it would be Other an than animal the, that's infected, yeah. and that animal probably has like or the careless lab guy, the cold or the yeah. flu, exactly, or the careless lab guy who Worst punches case, a hole in it's his freaking rage, punches his hole in his suit. You and, saw the list of shit that science is working on with zombies; they're oh, trying yeah. to reanimate shit. So. Yeah, well, it's and the thing, gonna go wrong, and, and you, it's gonna go terribly wrong. No, and that's and that's the thing where, and again, this is where kind of I was because looking to close it. They're playing God. No, here's what it is: is you can't crush it all the time. At no. some point, you have to fall flat on your face. Yes, it's with anything you do in your life. Yes, if you want to be a nice person, you can work to be a nice person, but at some point, you're, you're gonna, gonna be an asshole. You're gonna slip up and be an asshole to somebody. Yep. And it's like flirting, you know, the whole flirting with danger phrase. Yes. It's what it is. You know, you, if you're uh, like people that do high risk thing, it's like car racers. Yes. It's a great example where they're on the bleeding edge of the envelope every day driving right. in that car. 
They're pushing that car to the max. They're pushing their body to the max. Right. They're pushing their mind to the max. I think that's what's going to happen with science. Yep. Is science is going to get pushed to a max threshold where they're just trying in too many directions and they just have, oh, you know, what could happen? You know, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? I don't know. It's just innocent. I'm in it for the data type answer. You know, that's what you hear all the time. Well, what if you get shitty data from it? Well, no, it's just when you work with a scientist, that's all they care about is the data. Then Mm -hmm. there's this other person that just, you know, like the guy who invented the Gatling gun, the six Mm -hmm. rotating barrels and all that. He invented that to end war. And that's all it did was just somebody came and brought a bigger stick. Right. And yeah. it's just the way it goes. And I think this is the way the traje- trajectory with science is eventually they're going to lift a rock that they shouldn't have. Right. Or yes. they're going to tweak a gene that, that they, they shouldn't, shouldn't have. have. They were gonna, messing with something that they shouldn't Yeah, have. you're just going to do something that you shouldn't have done, and then you're going to create the sequence of events that are Oops. un... Yeah, no, but it, you're going to create the sequence of events that are unchangeable. Yes, and that's called inertia. That's called once something's in motion, it, it takes an equal. Well, no, it takes an equal or larger force to stop it. Yes. And some things you just don't even have the knowledge of how to stop it. Right. Let alone get something larger to stop it. And like I said, 28 days later was that kind of thing where it just put it real. And to me, a movie hasn't done that since. Right. It's hard to top 28 days later in that regard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to just do better than that because it just nailed it in my opinion nailed it you know which i'm just a bum from central new york but what do we know well i know what we do know we know next week's topic oh we sure do yeah we sure sure we sure do. sure do we got a good one next week we do yeah it's the coronado island mass abduction event yeah we are going to alien abduction like yeah. To the 10th power. We're going back because we got a lot of good feedback on the previous alien abduction I did we this did. 100% With, for my own well, selfish yeah, no, reasons. Well, yeah, no, but but we got a lot of we got a lot of positive uh input from po- the Pascagoula. Yeah, from Pascagoula and the nice part is is this is another one that has a deep story to it. It has sure a lot does. of supporting evidence. Yes. Again, this is what we're looking to do for alien abductions. I don't want to just talk about any of them. Right. I want to talk about the the biggies. Right, yeah. The biggies, and and there's a lot of biggies out there of people that just they don't even know exist. Yes. And this is another one that a lot of people don't know about. Correct. If you're in the space, this is, yeah, this is a given one you know about. Uh, Right, yeah. But we we understand. If you're a ufologist, you know. Yeah, No, we know that a lot of people don't follow it deep and yeah. and this is actually one that's gonna surprise you even more than the Pascagoula abduction. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, this this is your typical alien gray story. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. With that being said, I want to give a final shout out to um out in our trip to Salem. Mm-hmm. We had a great time. Sure did. We uh we would it would take probably half an episode to thank everybody. Yes. So if you want to know who that full list is, do our Salem Mass episode. Yes. But we did bump into uh, two just wonderful people there that uh, we wanted to uh, kind of give a 
A shout out to the uh, ever crumbly and witch folks. We sure did. Yes, yes. Yes. And, and their site is down now, but they are working on yep. some. Jamie and Fred. Some big things yes. for the holidays. Yep. And they don't just do witch hats, but their witch hats are unbelievably yep. Their witch hats, if, if you're looking for the witch hat. Go look no further. Go no further than Jamie and Fred. They're both just wonderful, wonderful down-to-earth people. Yes. And uh, I was glad I got to connect with Fred a bit out yeah. in the comments and and talk. And uh, and I hope uh, just everything for them. They're just great. I wish them nothing but the best. Yeah. No, they just... Uh, and you just see one of their hats and you know it right away. Oh, it, I mean, they're unmistakable. Walk, they're unmistakable. They've yes. somehow figured out how to put their their thing into the hat. They definitely you know, have like, their personal touch. Yeah. Yeah. Um they will also tell you they've got some they've got a great Facebook group mm-hmm. so you can uh join their group on uh, or maybe it's just a business page. I'm not sure which it is, but I know She's got a lot of lives where she teaches you how to measure yeah. for a hat and how to place an order. Like there, if there's a a hat that you would like and they can zhuizh up any hat that you see on their site. Uh, if it's pointed and you want the more bent, they can bend it. For oh, yeah. You. Yeah. Yep. No, it's it's no, wonderful. They're, they're taking a break with their shop because they're going to be in Salem Columns. But yeah, no. Done. If you're if you're looking for a, a, a sweet witch hat, evercrumbly and witch dot com. Yes. And uh, again, Jamie and Fred, hello. I know uh, Fred was saying at some point uh, he was uh, finishing up Supernatural while he was uh, working on the hats, <laughs> and he said he was gonna give us a, a, a check, uh, give us a try. So yeah. hey, Fred, hope you are well. Absolutely. Rule number one: No Ouija boards. Two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Six. No apathy. You need to act to help and act change in the world. And can I add number seven? What's number seven? Don't fuck with shit. <laughs> that that can't be a rule. Okay. We'll 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 input that in somewhere else, but because I like it. Yeah. But yeah, no, we're struggling with rule number seven. Hey, but you know it, it's gonna come it'll out. Find it. Yeah, it's it'll gonna find come its out. Way. Just like all the other ones. Yeah, but we've been dry for a while. And just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Hmm. What? Poke things with a stick? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm kind of saying to science. You're not into the stick poking. Mind your business. Mind your business. <laughs> well, and this wraps this wraps up what episode forty six? Yeah, forty seven is the yeah. Coronado Island. Nice. Yes. So, everybody, Buckle up for that one, guys. Everybody, uh, we really hope you had a wonderful Halloween. Absolutely. And all uh, oh, that was the other shout out I was going to give. I almost forgot. Uh, which picks in Salem? Which city picks? Yes. Yeah, which city picks? Uh, that was the place we got our photo taken. That's on the Facebook, Facebook group. group. Yep. Of us wishing you all a happy Halloween. Uh, Big shout out to them if you're in the Salem area and you want highly recommend. Highly recommend. It was a great experience, and they have uh, packages for everybody and anything. Yep, they do. And um, yeah, we got some good photos. You'll see more of those as the uh, as time goes on. As the time goes on, we'll we'll leak those out and through. 
But, yep, wonderful experience. Thank you so much. And to all of you listening, again, just thank you so much. We are truly thankful that you keep coming back and not only come back, but you bring someone else along. And uh, the numbers just keep growing. It's a bit weird to us. We're it's trying. Great. You know, it's we amazing. love it. We love it. Um, and we're glad uh, that others are enjoying this as much as we do. Absolutely. So, with that being said, we hope you have a wonderful day, a lovely week. And make good choices. Take care, folks.